Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Well, let me simply say it is a joy to be here. Thank you, uh, Pastor, for the invite. I love your pastor and Miss Sherry. Thank God for them, for his impact, and for the difference he makes with his life. I was sitting there thinking a moment ago, I don't know what is the most challenging, to preach the same sermon, or at least the same text, three times in a row, or to have to hear it three times in a row. So uh, there they are. I was asked at Woodstock one day by one of our sound technicians. He was standing there and somebody said, so Pastor Johnny, you preach the same sermon all three times? And I said, I do. And they said, you do? Because I just uh, change it up and illustrate it ever how it uh, comes to my heart. But it really uh, is a joy to, to be here. Uh, I will call my wife uh, in a few minutes after a little lunch with the family and head back uh, toward Woodstock, and undoubtedly, she will say something like this, Sherry. She'll say, so how'd you do today? You know, I thought, how do you answer that? Like, I was incredible, you know, fabulous. So I just came up with a little line, and I just say, they love me. So the first and second service did. I'm counting on y'all to not let me down, all right? But uh, I I am grateful, really, Uh, to be here. I really want to make a difference in your life. I pray to that end that uh, God would move the needle some in your heart in the area that I preach today. I taught preaching for a good bit and I used to say when I was teaching them that I preach with intentionality. In other words, I think, you know, Lord, when I'm through with this series, I'm believing that you're going to do this in the life of our people and our church or a good number of them. And that's really my prayer this morning. If you'd like to follow along with me in your Bible, turn to Psalm 126. Psalm 126. Pull it up on your phone or look on with someone. And it's really, there's 150 Psalms. This is my absolute uh, single favorite one. And I, I love the Psalms. So much of the Psalms have so ministered to me. But this is really my favorite. I want to speak to you on this subject today. The blessing of being saved. See, knowing Jesus is a big deal. I mean, it really is. It's not just a big deal in this life, but it's a big deal forever. I mean, forever. Uh, After I preached a moment ago, and gosh, I'm confident I haven't laid eyes on this brother uh, in 20 years. But he was an active member at Woodstock when I went there 34 years ago. And so when he came in, he just stood there. You know, a lot of times they'll say this. You remember me? Isn't that awful when they ask you that? And uh, normally you can lie and say, oh, yeah, yeah, how you been doing? And then walk off and your wife say, he was so nice. Who is it? Never seen him before in my life. You know, so you don't want to do that. So normally if they'll say, you remember me, I'll just say, help me. But, but I looked and I, I just kind of sized him up. And the way he was just standing, I just knew he wanted to know if I knew him. And I said, Brad. And it's Brad Stoddard. He's a member here now. And then we had, we had some uh, great fellowship. <clears throat> but I ended it with this. 
That's what excites me about heaven. See Brad back there? He's backslid. He used to sit down front, but just kidding. But anyway, uh, that's not true. Just picking at him. But basically, we'll have all eternity to, to catch up. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that. Hey, I want you to listen to this statement. 90-year-olds were asked the question, if you, if you could live life over again, what would you do differently? And uh, this is true. Uh, number one, they said they would reflect more. And here's a fact. The older you get, the more you reflect. Okay? Matter of fact, in the prodigal son story, the Bible says he came to himself. In the Greek text, it translates, he began to think. He, he began to reflect, and he thought, this is stupid living here when this has been offered. And so that's good. Number two, they said we would take greater risk. You know, I'll be honest with you. If you're not careful, you play it too safe. And you, you never get out of your box. You never, you never really get out there to trust God. I was telling pastor this morning, uh, discipled men for years, and one of the things we did was a memory verse. And so I continue that now that I'm uh, doing something a little different in life and ministry that I prayed I'd be able to at this juncture in my life. And uh, so I, I still memorize scripture. And, you know, the Bible teaches that without faith, it's impossible to please him. You must believe that God is and that he rewards those who trust him. So I, I want to really trust him. And uh, then they said if they could live life over again, they would invest more in that which would outlast them. So let, let me just help you for a moment. Let's go set this sermon up. That means you invest in others. Because if Jesus Christ were to come and the trumpet was to sound, sound this is a beautiful edifice, it ain't going I built, I built $100 million worth of buildings at Woodstock. They ain't going. None of the carpet, none of the mortar. All that matters is those that the Bible calls the gospel was deposited in them. And then when this life is over, to be absent from bodies, to be present with the Lord. So all of us have lost loved ones that have known uh, friends and family that have gone on. And we can say along with Vans Havner that when you lose a loved one, you didn't lose them, you know exactly where they are. That's because of the gospel. So with that in mind, let me read it. You can follow along the screens, but I'm going to read it the way I've memorized it. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. And then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, like the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And the word sheaves there is a farmer's terminology for bundling up the crop. What it's saying is if we'll be faithful to share the gospel, uh, God will give us a big bundle, a harvest that we'll be able to share. Uh, have you ever thought about this? If God uses you to witness to someone and they come to Christ, your life between now and when you get to heaven, you may only touch one, but the one you touch may touch 
thousands. Andrew is mentioned three times only in the entire New Testament. But he led one person, namely his brother, Simon, to faith in Jesus Christ. Simon preached one day and 3,000 people got saved. Based on the New Testament, Andrew only touched one, but the one he touched touched thousands and wrote two New Testament books. Don't ever underestimate the gospel's influence in and through your life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5 teaches that if you'll share the gospel, God makes this promise. The gospel never travels alone. The Bible says, I did not come to you in word only, but in power and of the Holy Spirit. That means when you share the gospel, God has promised that he would come along with the dunamis of God, where we get our word dynamite, the power of God. And by the way, the power of God doesn't blow you apart. It blows you together. That was good. If you were looking for a place to say amen, you missed slipping one in there, you know. I'll try to tell you, but that was just a good statement. I'm glad I came so I could hear it, all right? So the bottom line is he comes not only in power, but he also comes, this is awesome, with the gospel is the presence of Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5. So let me give you, if I get to all of it, I'm going to preach until my time's up. And then I'll finish all these sermons in heaven. People always say, going to be no preaching in heaven, just singing. I'm not so sure about that. And every time I hear that, it's from a singer. All right, so uh, I, when am I going to finish all these sermons? All right, so, so listen to this. Three things I want to give you. First of all, I want to talk to you about the blessing of being saved experienced. I can honestly say uh, there was a time in my life where I got saved and I experienced a relationship with Jesus Christ. To quote Bill Bright of Campus Crusade, you must individually receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I did. Uh, Jesus changed my life. I have a real experience of the blessing of being saved. And isn't it amazing? Look at verse 1, the Bible says this. When the Lord turned again to captive design, listen to the language, we were like them that dreamed. Why would God liken a person that has been set free, has been saved, why would he liken it unto a dream? Because when God changes somebody's life, it seems too good to be true. <laughs> All right, stay with me for just a moment. If I could come to a service, hear the gospel, and would all of my heart respond, and God saved me, let me tell you what that means. In that moment, it means God takes my sin, the Bible says, out of the way, nails them to the cross. And it means God forgives me of every trespass, every iniquity, every sin I've ever committed against God. Hold on, you mean just in a moment, God can wipe out my past? Absolutely. Just as quick as we moved into a new year, God can move you into a new life. This ain't turning over a new leaf, it's receiving a new life. Let me tell you what else God does. God knows that you can't live the Christian life. I wrote this years ago. The Christian life is not difficult. The Christian life is impossible. It's Christ in you that's the hope of glory. So what God does when God saves you, he comes and lives in you. You actually receive, receive his disposition and his nature. Now think about this. I used to not like to go to church. 
I just did not go. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about that in just a moment. So why do I like to go now? Because I have God's nature and God's disposition in me. God lives inside of me. Someone said to me, why do you go to church so much? You have to be in every time the door is open? No, I don't have to. I get to. And so here's what I want you to know. One of the reasons I like to go is God lives inside of me and he likes to go to church. I bring him. He, he don't want to stay home and watch the game. It's real. He changes your life. When I was seven, my dad checked out. Divorced my mom, certainly seven years. I didn't understand all that. He left my mother with six children. Uh, four boys, two girls. I was the next to the youngest boy. Next to the youngest child. And dad moves off, goes over from the Carolinas to Kentucky, remarries, remarries, remarries several other children, stayed out of our life. I didn't see my dad for about 13, 14 years. Didn't lay eyes on him. Uh, mother uh, wanted to take care of us. I didn't understand this then, but she used to say, now I understand it, she weren't going to take any alimony. I wish she had. I wanted a bike. Are y'all with me? The stuff I wanted. I was tired of not getting anything for Christmas. I would tell you the only thing I got for Christmas for a few years, but I told Woodstock that, and every year they would bring me all that stuff I used to get. So, so I changed it and told them I got a 65 Chevrolet or something, I, you know. But anyway. So we moved into a government project. Mom went to work. She worked in the factory in the daytime and worked as a waitress at night. She came home, cooked, and then we didn't have a car. She walked to the white front grill a mile and a half away. It's amazing the sacrifice that she made. And so as a result of no parental authority, we stayed in and out of trouble. I was arrested three times before I was 16 years old. I quit school, no purpose, direction in life. I started hanging out at a pool hall, and they offered me a job. There were hours that no one was there, so I practiced. And so after practicing for years, I got good. I'm still good. <laughs> and I began to hustle pool, played national straight point tour tournaments. I was playing second rank in the nation when I was 20 years old. That was my aspiration. If I could become a professional pool player. But then another Native American like myself by the name of N.W. Pridgen invited me to church. The reason I didn't go to church is I just thought that people that went to church were religious and, and I was non-religious. No big deal. I didn't understand heaven, hell. I didn't understand lost, saved. I'd never owned a Bible. He invited me to go. After sitting there week after week, and I didn't know the language then, but I've learned the language now. Uh, something happened. Uh, they, they would preach, and I would sit there. I was doing fine. But I even began to, to catch a clue, and here was the clue. The preacher would say, in a moment, we're going to stand together and sing an invitation hymn, and I'm going to invite you to come to Jesus. And, and the minute we would stand, oh, how, why in the heaven this was happening, I would begin to become emotional and weep. Little, little did I know then, it was the wooing and the convicting and the exposing, are y'all with me, of the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says in John chapter 15, verse 8, when he has come, the Holy Spirit, he will convict you of sin, your need for righteousness, and judgment to come. 
So as God began to do that, I'm, I'm sensing I need to come. So at the close of the service one day, the preacher did this. Church, we need to pray. There's a young man here and God's dealing with him. Let's pray God bring him back tonight and save him. Got in my car. We normally would go to the drag strip, a drag race on Sunday afternoon, a place called Holly Ridge. I started home. My wife said, we're not going to the racetrack. Said, no. Said, why? Said, that preacher's talking about me. And somebody said, well, how do you know he's talking about you? You think that preacher's got your number? No. When God speaks to you, it's not because a preacher has your number. It's because God knows your name. When God saved Saul of Tarsus, he spoke from heaven and called him by his first name. And, and, and so I begin to tell my wife, I said, you know how I'm living? I'm either gambling at the pool room or out drunk. And I said, I, I spend so much time at the Red Fox Saloon. Janet, I believe, I, I believe my life needs to be changed. But it, I'm going to ask God to do it tonight. But if he don't, don't, don't give me a hard time if I'm the same old person. See, because I didn't realize how God, are y'all listening? How God can change your life and how God can change your want-tos. I thought, I'll, I'll wake up tomorrow and still want to do the same thing. Back those days, I was so shy. The reason I quit school, I was afraid to give a public book report. God has a sense of humor. He saved me, and I've been reporting ever since, all over the world preaching. During the service, I was fine until it got near the end, and I knew I'd need to respond. I normally sat in the back. That night, I sat on the outside. I not only sat on the outside, I can still remember the guy. A guy his name's Roy Joyner. He saw me there, and he came where I was sitting and said, Hey, good to see you. Move on down some. Well, I knew I was coming out, and I said, No, sir, come on in. Come on in. I didn't want to have to climb over anybody. It was going to be a hard journey. I got so nervous during the preaching, I looked over at my wife, and I said, Go down and tell Mr. Gibson, I want to get saved. <laughs> she said, you've got to do that. I can't get saved for you. And I thought, oh, my God. And so that night, it was with all the, all the faith I could muster up. I was so shy. I slipped out. I'll never forget as long as I live. Went down. It was M.E. Gibson. I said, Mr. Gibson, I want to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. I've got to be honest with you. I knew God wanted my heart, but I didn't know God wanted my life. How many of you know this? The Bible teaches in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Listen to this. You were not only made by God, stamped on your soul, whether you ever acknowledge or not, stamped on your soul are these words, made by God, made by God. And then not only you made by God, ladies and gentlemen, you're made for God. That's why the Bible says that a soul will be restless until it finds its rest in Almighty God. I would have never known God's purpose for me even being on this planet had I not come to know the one who created me and began to say, if I'm your workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works, oh God, what is the good work you've placed me here for? So I can live, regardless of what an individual does in vocation, live their life to the glory of God. And God changed my life that night. My wife and I got baptized together the next Sunday night. Why? Because Jesus commands you to be baptized. And so we got baptized, began to live for him. Little did I know, God had this plan for my life. But it's real. Are y'all with me? It's a real salvation. Hey, listen to this statement. I can tell my story now. I've been telling it 
for uh, at this coming this past week, January the seventh, that I celebrated my forty eighth spiritual birthday. My wife threw a party, bought me a big cookie, happy birthday. Kids came over and said, "What are we celebrating?" And said, "Your dad's been saved today, forty eight years." And by the way, that day, are y'all listening? It's more significant than the day I was born. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter seven that the, oh, wait a minute, the day you die is better than the day you were born. Look at it in verses one and two. The day you die is better than the day you were born. How can the day that I die, Solomon, that wise man, how could that be better than the day I was born? Because the day you die you begin a journey oh this is good never ends never ends because not that because of that first birth but because of that second birth and that's what matters i led a medical doctor to jesus a few years ago and one day my doorbell rang and i went to the door and i'm thinking what is he doing here and he said you got a few minutes and he said, he said i'll be right back he came walking back in a moment with this, like a blanket, covering something. I don't know what it was, but it was heavy. He could hardly carry it. And then, thump, he threw it down in my yard. And I've got this little pool with, with, with fish in it in my front yard. And there's stones around it. And he put that stone in there. And I said, what is that, Doc? He said, well, uncover it. And on there it said this. Johnny Marshall Hunt. Born July 17th, 1952. Born again, January 7th, 1973. Oh, and by the way, he had one for my wife, and it had her birthday. And if I tell that, she may be watching, and I would be in big trouble when I get home. So let me just say she's younger than me. Not a lot, but anyway, she's younger than me. And on hers, this is going to help some of you. On hers, it said, born again. Teenage girl, because she didn't remember. But when you're a hellion like I was, you never forget the day where everything changed, where the Son of God came. Well, let's just say that I lived so long that I can't remember all the particulars that I'm telling you this morning. Well, Pastor Johnny, how would you know that you're a Christian then? You just need to, you need to hear this. Because I've been changed. What's so important is not just that there's a date. Not so important is when I was baptized. Not so important that I tithe and give offerings. What matters is I know that I know that I know God's Son stepped out of heaven, stepped into my life, and saved me, changed me. My life was changed by Jesus. Hey, I'll just make a statement. When God said he would convict me of sin, and that was easy. That was an easy one. I ask somebody every now and then, say, you realize you're a sinner? Well, I'm not that bad. Well, I'm going to tell you how bad you are. The only way God could keep you out of hell is kill his son. And that's theology. There was no other way for us to go to heaven but for Christ to pay our sin debt. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. That sin, what, why righteousness? P please hear, it's as simple as I know how to preach. Nobody will ever be allowed into heaven without the righteousness of Jesus Christ. If you're an accountant or a banker, the word that 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 and following uses 
it says that you have righteousness imputed. That's a terminology for banks. and It's a word for imparted. My wife, my father-in-law, a public accountant, had his own firm 50 years. My wife used to work for him. So I know what a ledger is. And I know what it is to divide it and look at my assets and my liabilities. My liabilities were many in the Christian life. Many liabilities, my sin. My assets for Jesus, zero. That's a circle with the rim kicked off. Nothing. But here's what Jesus Christ did. Jesus said, Johnny, if you'll turn from your sins and put your faith in me, I will go over. Well, this is good. You know, when you know what you're going to say, I get excited before I get there, you know. And I, I want to I, I turn a flip, but I can't, you know. And I, I just get so fired up thinking of what Jesus did for me. But here's what he said. If you will allow me, if you'll acknowledge your sin, put your faith in me, I will take all the things in your liability list. That means, are you all with me? <laughs> Every sin I've ever committed. And he said, I'll take those, Johnny. And I will nail them to the cross. I will take them out of the way. I will take them as far as the east is from the west. Never to remember them again. As one person said, uh, I, will, I will bury them in the sea of forgetfulness and place an angel there with a sign, no fishing. And then he said in your asset column, where you still have nothing, even though I've cleansed your sin, I will, <laughs> I'll take all of my righteousness, all of the goodness of God. You just saying, that, that I, I text the other day, I just put something out on social media, I said, the number one song of encouragement in my life right now is the goodness of God by Bethel. I mean, that song, all my life, you have been faithful. God said, I'll take my faithfulness, I'll take my goodness, I'll take my righteousness, I'll take my holiness and over there in your asset column are y'all seeing it already I will put everything that I am in your column and that's called the exchange life give me your old sinful life somebody says you know I ain't to come to Jesus because I have so much to give up really which sin do you want to talk about that you're holding on to that you don't want to give up in order to receive the glorious glorious attributes all of them of almighty God Heirs of God, joint heirs of Jesus Christ. Wow. Man, I didn't know I was so fired up after three times. Let's have a four service. It's real, but it's recognizable. Then said they among those who are on the outside, <clears throat> those that don't belong to the Lord, they don't even believe that God is the Lord. But they acknowledge the Lord's done great things for them. His name's Dewey Williams. He owned the Amico station on 17th Street in Wilmington. Uh, Dewey's a big guy, very well-to-do. He owned several other companies at that time. I knew Dewey not very well, but I knew him. But he knew a lot of people that knew me. A fellow that was uh, in a businessman out of my first church that I served in Gaffney, South Carolina, uh, said he was in Wilmington, and he said, I can't believe it. He said, I stopped at 17th Street. I wrote it down at the Amico station. And he said, as I talked to the guy that owned it, he said, uh, I'm from Gaffney, South Carolina. And here I'm in Wilmington, North Carolina. You may know him. My preacher is Johnny Hunt. I was 23 years old. 
And Dewey Williams said this, I don't know, Johnny, but those who know him say that God changed his life. Who was Dewey? He was a pagan. Look in my phone now. Who is Dewey? It's my best friend. Because only as God knows, after I got saved, within three years after I was converted, the day I got a Bible, within three years after I got my first Bible, I was pastoring my first church. Those poor people. God have mercy on those poor people. And then I went to seminary, and then I went back to my hometown. And guess who started coming to hear me preach? Dewey Williams. And Dewey got saved and became my best friend. He's traveled so many places with me. Why? Are y'all listening? Because <laughs> when you have a relationship with God that's real, all your friends recognize there's something different about you. And by the way, the word holy, push it to its lowest common denominator, and it translates different. Not weird. I, I know some people in church, they just flat weird. I mean, God didn't make me a weirdo. God made me different. I want my friends not to see that I'm judgmental of them. God forbid that ever happened or that I think I'm better than them. The only reason I'm going to heaven and, and a, the best person in the world that hadn't been saved is not going to heaven is because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's because of what's been imparted to me that I didn't deserve, not because of what I've done for the Lord. Let me give you one other statement I'm through. Well, time's about gone. Here it is. There's the blessing of being saved experience. But in verse 4, there's the burden of being saved exhibited. When you get saved, you spend your first few months overwhelmed that God would save you. Um, I'd never owned a Bible. I got me a Bible, started reading it every morning just like I did this morning 48 years later. Still spend my first hour with the Lord. Number two, I'd never listened to Christian music. I got me an album. I'm so grateful to God. They started making albums again. So when I tell my story, everybody know what an album is. Listen to music. First album I ever got in my life was by Jack Price. And here's the first song I learned. Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? Listen to another song that inspired me. Some golden daybreak, Jesus will come. And guess what I believe? Listen, in case you hadn't heard it in New Year, listen to this. Jesus is coming again. I promise you, and I'll promise you on the authority of the Word of God. I don't know when. I'll tell you this. Based on what's going on in the world, it may be sooner than later. I got a text a moment ago. I work a lot in South Africa, and they say a different strand is hitting South Africa, and so many people in the squatter villages where I work are dying, and it grieves my heart, grieves my heart. Some of the poorest people in the world, other people persecuted all over the world. What's going on right now? Sometimes we feel like it's confined to this nation. It is a, a worldwide pandemic. By the way, the Bible says in the last days, there'll be a great falling away. The average church this morning, you're an exception to the rule. The average church in America, 400,000 churches, is averaging 36% of their regular attendance. 51% of the people in America that were in church before the pandemic said they don't intend going back. Could it be it's the great falling away before the great getting up morning? That was another great place to... Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, if you don't have a passion to see other people get saved, you may not be saved. Mm, see, when I got saved, 
I was just thrilled, but then I began to pray this prayer. Oh, Lord, would you turn again to captivity of Zion? What, what am I saying? Well, you turned it in verse 1. But when you turned it, not everybody got set free. There's still some over there in bondage. And so I began to think, Mama's not saved. Daddy's not saved. Norman's not saved. Buddy's not saved. Freddie's not saved. Barbara's not saved. Mary's not saved. That's just in my family. And then you could go and move outside the realm of your family and then other relatives, and you can find yourself talking about your neighbors, work associates, and you may be the closest connect to them for them coming to Christ. I can't believe what's in my mind. I'll tell this story and I'm through. Uh, Ten years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, probably some of you had it too, so no, not looking for sympathy, just telling a story. Let, let me tell you what my theology teaches me. I, I believe some things deeply about God and His Word. I don't think anything can touch me save it's filtered through God's grace. See, I, I don't believe anything can happen to me unless God gives permission. Really, I do. I mean, I, I just don't think, well, look at this. Well, you know, matter of fact, you go to pray and you say, Lord, I... I just found out Dr. Capaluda told me I have cancer. What? <laughs> now he knows. So um, I went through the cancer, and my wife struggled more than I did. And this is just the truth. I'm being vulnerable this morning. The reason she struggled, she said, I've been married to you. We just celebrated our 50th anniversary on the 21st of November. So this was at our 40-year anniversary, and this is what she said. I don't agree with her, okay? So lighten up. But she just said, I don't know of anybody that travels more than you, gives more away of what you earn, and witnesses more than you do. And she said, it's not fair. And I thought, Janet, it's not about what's fair or whatever. I said, you know, God has some purpose. Well, I just don't see any purpose or any good in this. And I said, well, it's not over. We need to pray and ask. And she said, well, you sure seem to be doing better. How are you doing so well with it? And I said, well, I don't know of anyone that could be more prepared for it to happen to and then I said this, and it kind of lightened it up. I said, I'm so saved, it's pitiful. <laughs> I said, God lives in me. My sins have been forgiven. I'm absolutely confident to be, <laughs> to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Jan, I'm telling you, if God chooses to use this to take me home, I'll wait on the other side. I can't believe I've got so much in me right now, but listen to this. The Bible says a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. One theologian believes that God's trying to encourage us. That means my mama has been in heaven for 36 years. But if a day is as a thousand years, my mom's only been there a couple of days. See, from, from Earth's perspective, I feel like, oh, God, she's been gone so long. But when I get there, she's going to say, hey, son, hadn't seen you in two days. <laughs> what it means is you move from time to eternity. So if you're a mathematician, go figure that up. Figured that up. I got a mathematician figured it up for me, but I didn't write it down. I can't remember it. <laughs> then I begin to say, you know, Lord, would you be so kind to let me know why you allowed me to go through this? It's been quite a setback. And I don't know that he did, but I begin to speculate. So my doctor that took the cancer out, he's young and he's known worldwide. His name's Dr. Scott Miller, Northside Hospital in Atlanta. We, we've become really close friends. He's Orthodox Jew, but he, are y'all listening? He loves Christian music. One of his favorite groups, 
new song. Well, that's family. So anyway, um, I was going to go back to preach after I had cancer. And he said, I don't, I don't know that you're ready. And I said, well, why don't you come sit on the front row and make sure I'm going to be okay? <laughs> so he called me. God is my witness. You can't make up this stuff. That's what makes Christianity so exciting. And so he said, I'll be there. So he sat on the front row. But he made me sit on a stool. And when I, I got fired up one time and I stepped off the stool and, and hit my foot and I had seven holes in me from the surgery. He didn't have to tell me not to do that again. <laughs> I thought, that was not cool. So after the service over, my wife went on home. She had fixed me lunch. And ladies, you're going to kill me for this. But guess what I did? Hey, Dr. Miller, why don't you come home and have lunch with me? He, and and I, I don't know what I was thinking. I mean, really, I really kind of thought he'd say, oh, that's kind, but no thanks. Got to get home. He said, I'd love to. So I called my wife. Hey, baby, um, Dr. Miller's coming for lunch. I don't have anything fixed. What am I fix? And here was my answer. Anything but a ham sandwich. It's <laughs> truth. He came. And this made it interesting. I said, hey, Dr. Miller, guess what I've been praying about? He believes in the God of the Old Testament. And he said, what is that, Johnny? I said, "Um, I've been praying God would let me in on why he's entrusted me. Did you hear the words I just used? Entrusted me with this illness. See, you may say, why would you use the word entrust? Because I've known people that got sick or lost their job, turned their back on God. Entitlement, like you deserve it. Anything short of hell is grace. So we sat down and he said, so um, do you feel you know what it may be? And I said, maybe. He said, do you mind me asking? I said, not at all. He said, what? I said, maybe you. He said, what? I said, well, um, God may have known, Dr. Miller, that if you were my doctor that I would attempt to be faithful to give you the gospel. He said, <laughs> this is good. You think he'd go to that much trouble? I said, oh, this is nothing. Let me tell you what he did. He was God worshipped 24-7 for all eternity. He laid aside his glory clothed himself in human flesh and born of the Holy Spirit of God climbed into a virgin woman's womb carried for nine months natural birth born the sinless son of God lived a sinless blameless life at the age of 33 went to the cross to die vicariously on behalf of others let them bury him in a barred tomb. Thank God it was barred because he only needed it for three days. Then on early Sunday morning, got up from the dead, rose from the dead victoriously. He's the only person that's ever lived that wrote a will, and he's also the executor. That's good. That's good. That's good. That is good. If some of you didn't get that and you get it at lunch, I guarantee you're going to throw your fork. (laughs) 
And he said, do you believe that? I haven't won him yet. But the last time I went to his office, he said, are you in a hurry? I said, I've got a wedding rehearsal, but I've got a few minutes. He said, can you go to my private office? And I'm trying to close. And I said, yes, sir. Would you like coffee? No. Gave me a bottle of water. He said, um, hope you don't mind me asking. Would you talk to me about the end times and what to expect? I'm telling you, I told, you know what I told him the last time we talked? I said, uh, are you Nicodemus? He said, what? I said, have you trusted Jesus, but you're doing it by night so you won't get kicked out of the synagogue? <laughs> and he said, man, you're a card, aren't you? So as I got ready to leave, here's, what, here's my last visit. Got ready to leave. He had a Starbucks card, and I went to get it, and he wouldn't let go of it. I said, let go of that. He said, I will when you tell me what it is. I said, it's a Starbucks card. He said, no, it's not. I said, what is it, Dr. Miller? He said, it's your promise to me that you're going to take me to coffee and talk to me some more. People, <laughs> people are more desirous to know what happened in your life than we are to tell them. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for who you are. I know one thing, Lord. I know you well enough to know when you're here. You are here. Praise you. I worship you. Thank you for the way you've ministered to me with this staff, with the people I've met, the music that's ministered to my soul. I'm grateful. Do something that only God can do in this service. If you've never been saved, you say, Preacher, I don't, I don't believe that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. Christ died for you. God loves you just like you are, but he loves you too much to leave you like you are. Did you know that if you repent, which means you really show remorse and genuine being sorry for your sins and by faith invite Christ into your life he'll come in and he'll save you and forgive you if you say right where you sit that's what I want to do would you make this prayer yours God knows your heart just make this prayer yours you want to trust Christ you want your sins forgiven you want God to live in your life you want the gift of everlasting life just pray now Lord Jesus just tell him Lord Jesus come into my life I need you I know that I can't save myself. Thank you for dying for me. Help me to live for you. And Lord, forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry for my sins. Thank you this morning for hearing my prayer and for saving me. Thank you for dying for me. Help me to live for you. And help me to never be ashamed of you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm not going to come to you, embarrass you, or point you out. But I don't have the eyes of Jesus. Can't look in your heart and know what you've done. If you would say right where you sit, Pastor Johnny, when you prayed, I prayed with you. I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. Would you acknowledge that by just slipping your hand up in the air? Would you do it? Just slip it up. Slip it up in the air. Put it right back down. Anyone in the building, when you prayed, I prayed along with you. Today, I'm saying yes to Jesus. God bless you, sir. Others, just quickly, just slip it up. Just saying, when you prayed, I prayed. People need the Lord. 
God bless you, sir. Maybe you'd say this morning, Pastor Johnny, I, I know him, but I really need in this 2021 for God to give me a burden. They that sow in tears, God give me tears for my lost family, friends, neighbors, relatives. So Pastor Johnny, pray for me that God give me a burden for lost people so I can tell them what Jesus did for me. Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. As I mentioned earlier, that's what makes this such a great church. So many of you wanting a passion or having a passion or deepening a passion. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're visiting here today and blessed to church. God have you to be a part of. In a moment, Pastor Joel will say more about it, but we've got these next step tables in the lobby down front. You're going to be encouraged to go to one and maybe say, hey, I prayed to receive Christ today. And they'll tell you what the next steps are. Or, hey, I, uh, I've got a burden for people. What are the next steps of how I can engage them? Or, hey, I want to join this church, uh, my membership, to be in this fellowship and serve the Lord here. What, whatever God may be calling you to do, I would encourage you to do it. Father, thank you for what you're doing. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I fudged this morning. I've given the pastor five minutes back in two services, and now I've stole two minutes. All right, because I wanted to be through it, five after. I want you to do one thing with me. Would you take out your phone, please? Be so kind, take your phone out. Left mine on the front row. And would you do this? Would you text the word one, O-N-E, to the number 888-123? I'm not trying to trick you. You're not signing up for anything. It's not how you give a gift to my ministry. <laughs> one, O-N-E, text that word to 888-123. What am I going to get, Pastor? A link? Click on it. It takes you to who's your one. See this? See all those dots? God is my witness. Those represent over 31,000 individuals. I went there one day and wrote this word. It said, name. Put first name only. First name only. Percy. Where does he live? Today's in Los Angeles. He was in Woodstock. He moved. And that's my one. I said, Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love him through me. What did I do? It's January the 10th. Between now and the end of the year, what you're saying is, Lord, lay some soul on my heart and love that soul through me. Don't go to heaven empty-handed. Somebody ought to go there as a result of you knowing him. And you know why you know him? Because somebody that cared for you, brought you or shared with you that you would know. All I'm asking you to do is pass the baton. Do it, do it for another. Remember the one you touch may touch thousands. Wouldn't that be something? If you thought for one minute that would happen, hey, wouldn't you have liked to have been the one that invited a 16-year-old Billy Graham to hear Mordecai Ham in Charlotte, North Carolina? He's preached to more people than anybody that's ever lived in the history of humanity. Wow. So just put it there, put that name, and then what you're going to do is say, between now and the end of the year, I'm going to pray that God would use me. I'm going to pray for him every day. Put him in your phone. Pray for him every day. And then ask God to give you opportunities. Take them to lunch. Invite them over. Go to coffee. And in there, turn your everyday conversation into a gospel conversation. And tell them about Jesus. Hey, thank you for allowing me to come. Pastor, thank you for allowing me to be here. They're almost gone, but I wrote some books. The number one book I wrote in my life, and I've written 33 is demolishing strongholds he said there might be a couple left so they your friends bought them but anyway they're out there it's a ministry that supports ministry god bless 
We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.